Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to Matthew chapter 17. Thank you to the worship team. Appreciate you. That's a new song right there. Thank you for bringing that. Matthew chapter 17. And going to read from the New King James. We do have some notes for you. I'm not sure those have gotten around just yet. Very good. Matthew chapter 17. And uh, go down to verse 14 as we continue in a series called How Faith Works. How Faith Works. You all there? Matthew 17, verse 14 through 21. When they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, notice this capitalized, kneeling down to Jesus, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely. And he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him in to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. Interesting. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Would you say that? And nothing will be impossible. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you all the way up here. And nothing will be impossible for you. There you are, the people of kings. Hallelujah. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to be here tonight as a family, the people of God. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak, that you would stir, that you would give us living understanding, and that the results, the effects of this meeting would be far-reaching even to eternity. I pray that you would remove the misconceptions about faith, I pray that you would bring revelation that causes a revolution in the hearts of each and every one of us. And we thank you for the privilege of gathering freely here in this great United States of America to worship and to hear the preaching of your word. So bring your anointing. Destroy every yoke. Change misconceptions and perceptions. Release your kingdom. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be comfortably seated tonight. It was a joy to, uh, to be on our building project for a few cold moments today to overlook what's taking place there, Wally. It's wonderful to have you in service tonight. And Lauren, God bless you, doing such a great job hanging up some panels on the entrance side. That's not the road side. It's the other side of the church and moving forward. I also want to say thank you to all of you who have participated and you can still participate 
in the fundraising event I did on Facebook. I'll just talk about that for a moment and we'll get into this text. Uh, I noticed on Monday that there was $7 million that was going to be given away on Facebook through matching funds to 501c3 corporations. How many of you know what a 501c3 corporation is? That's a tax-exempt corporation. That's us. And so there's churches and different ones that have that. And so uh, I looked into it and uh, realized it wasn't a scam and read all the stuff. And I thought, shoot. Uh, let's get the wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous. Hallelujah. I thought, praise the Lord. Well, shoot. I, I, let, I thought, it'd be great. You got to just use them to match the money. And, and so I, I, did a, uh, I did a fundraising event to the tune. I think it's uh, $11,600 came in through about 86 different people. And uh, they're, they're, yeah, come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. And, uh, and so... Uh, it's a first come, first serve with the matching finances. How many of you know seven million goes pretty quickly, which we understand very well in our project, amen? And uh, so uh, we'll see how that all turns out. It'll be about uh, anywhere between two weeks to 30 days, and then they send us a check, and your giving will come in at that time also. And so you can continue to give to that. You'll see it on our Facebook page, and uh, I'm very grateful for your generosity. My wife and I gave. And, uh, and we're grateful for what God's doing. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? Amen. What a powerful text of scripture. In Isaiah chapter 10, 27, which is a, a word that we received uh, here at our church in 1994. Uh, 1994, we were facing incredible obstacles that were very possibly going to uh, and this ministry. This is prior to us actually being in Alaska. Uh, I was uh, living with my mother at the time and uh, in Maui, Hawaii. And I remember going to those prayer meetings, Mom, I'm sure you do too. Isaiah 10, 20, Isaiah 10 27, it says this. And this is a word that God gave our, our global leader, Dr. Morocco, all the way back then. And we prayed that thing and declared it over and over and over. And it's a word that's emblazoned on my own heart. It says, it shall come to pass in that day, is Isaiah 10, 27, that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. What a powerful passage of scripture. And we had all kinds of things. There was something that went wrong in the school, and there was a lawsuit of what took place on a, on a football field. There was a family that was angry that a son got injured in football, and so there was a lawsuit there. And there was all kinds of challenges with, our, uh, with going on in their church. I think there was three different lawsuits. We prayed that in morning prayer every single morning. And we would show up and Dr. Morocco would say, come on, let's pray. God's going to release his power to break the yoke. And we would pray and we would declare and we would proclaim. And what happened is every one of those lawsuits against the church were all dismissed in different ways. Dr. Morocco had a dream shortly thereafter and God gave him a name of a lawyer that he never heard of before. And uh, he just looked it up in the yellow pages back in 94 and uh, found out, you know, called 411, whatever he did, found out that there was a name of a lawyer and it was, he was in uh, Honolulu and contacted him. And the guy said, well, I don't really take cases like that, but for whatever reason, I feel like I'm supposed to take yours. 
and you know, one thing after another, all of the cases dismissed, and God gave us a breakthrough, and the yoke was broken off the church, and we moved forward, and here we are today. We're here today because in 94, there was a bunch of people that prayed. Now, I don't know the results of what will take place. If you can learn to release your faith in this house, if you can learn to release your faith in your home, in your family, in your marriage, with your children, in your business, if you can learn to release your faith, nothing is impossible. You can heal the sick, set the captives free, you can raise the dead, you can break every yoke of body. Come on, somebody say hallelujah in the house of God. So the, the anointing oil here in 1027 is, of course, about the power of the Holy Spirit. Another version says, because you've grown so fat. Okay, well, we better, we better move on before we offend. Yeah, another version says, because you've grown so fat, the yoke will break because you've grown so fat. Fatness is a blessing in Scripture and, uh, and is translated anointing oil in another version. Faith is a work of the Holy Spirit, and that's what I wrote on really tight in the anointing, the power God. The oil, we have oil up here. If any of you sick among you, let them call upon the elders of the church and they'll anoint with oil and the prayer of faith will save that sick person. The Lord will heal them and raise them up. How many of you know this is not magic oil because we don't believe in magic? Hello. But we do believe in the power of God. And this oil is sanctified and set apart and it's a symbol. It's a powerful symbol of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit works to bring about faith in your life. Let me say that again, and it's right in your notes. Faith is a work of the Holy Spirit to break off bondages, to break off yokes. In fact, as I was looking at this just, uh, just before I headed up, I really like to rephrase that. Faith is, faith is a work of the Holy Spirit that brings the kingdom. It's more than breaks yoke. It builds buildings. It does everything. It brings out of the invisible and makes it visible. Hebrews 11.1, 1, and we've been talking about faith. We've been talking about, about how faith works, foundations of faith. The truth is that most people, they could quote you Hebrews 11.1, 1, but have no idea what it means. Let's look at this text, and we're going to get into it here. This, uh, this text uh, is, is found in the Synoptic Gospels. Those are the Gospels that, that have um, commonality, and that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is not a part of the Synoptic Gospels. You'll find this story in Mark 9 as well as in Luke 9. And there's this man's son, and he's in bondage. We know it's a demonic bondage because, uh, one, Jesus, when he speaks to set this boy free, speaks to the demon, rebukes the demon, right? So we know that's one clue. Another clue is this demon of epilepsy, you could call it. And you say, well, I know somebody with epilepsy. Does that mean they have a demon? Not necessarily, okay? But you could blame the devil for all of that because it's a part of the fall. So Jesus sets him free. Oh, one of the other reasons we know it's demonic is the, is the boys, the boys, this thing tries to kill him, throws him in fires, throws him in the water, tries to drown him. Can you imagine being a parent? Can you imagine being a parent trying to, trying to help your boy? Trying to help your girl, if I could just say it that way. And so uh, verse 16, you know, this, this man says, I, I brought them to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Which you have to know is, is a real affront to the ministry of Jesus. Because, I mean, if these are your disciples, you've taught them and they couldn't do it. 
So what are you going to do? Well, he's the son of God. His disciples hadn't quite caught, quite caught on, and they had, they had some problems, which he deals with. But Jesus frees him, and faith is emphasized, emphasized in verse 17. So listen to this. Verse 17, O faithless and perverse generation, o, or unbelieving is another version, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. It's faith is emphasized. A lack of faith, a lack of faith is what kept the boy in bondage before the disciples. Now, I, I know there's been a lot of people that have abused others with the fact that, that maybe they have a lack of faith or unbelief, and I would never do that. But, but I'm going to ask myself, I'm going to ask myself, is it possible that things haven't happened in my life because I've been unbelieving? Listen, that's a good, honest question to ask. That's a good, honest question to ask instead of just, you know, pull some spiritual kung fu and say, well, that's just not, not applying to me. Is it possible that, that, you know, according to your faith, is another verse of Scripture, according to your faith may be done unto you. And we don't like that because it makes us responsible. Because we like to think, you know, the hocus pocus of the kingdom and Jesus just shows up like and ding, and you just get hooked up. No, no, no. He co-labors with us, which is amazing to me. So does that mean... Does that mean that, there's, that, that, that faith is important? It is absolutely crucial to, to seeing the kingdom. It's, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. You can't get, there's saving faith. You can't get saved without faith. Saved, meaning believing on Jesus, that he died on a cross and rose again from the grave. And then accept that reality, repent of your sin, and receive him as your Lord and Savior. That's saving faith. But faith is emphasized, and their lack of faith kept this boy in bondage. Wow. The Greek word for faith is pistis. Everybody say that. Pistis. It's trust and belief. It's the same. It's, it's the same word, trust and, and belief. Verse 20. So Jesus said, and because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll move and nothing will be impossible. Nothing is impossible with your faith. I want you to go to Mark 9 now. Now, the synoptic gospels, again, synoptic, big college words, not all that big. But anyway, synoptic. Synoptic gospels are, does anybody remember what I said? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? They have commonality. So this is the same story told by, anybody know? Mark. But it's not Mark, actually. Mark is Peter's amanuasis. He's, he's listening to the stories of Peter. He's Peter's secretary. He's Peter's scribe. So he's writing down the stories from Peter. So if you see the, so Mark is Peter's Emmanuelis, right? So in Mark 9, verse 14, go to 21. Mark 9, 21. The whole story is 14 to 29, but in Mark 9, 21. So he asked his father, how, asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said in verse 23, if you can believe, whoa, what? 
If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, here's the thing. Ask this question to your, ask this. Come on, don't, don't read the Bible and let it be some little flannel graph story out there apart from your own reality. Read it and go, if you can believe, if he can believe. In other words, God's talking to you. What are you believing for? What, leave that scripture up. What are you hoping for? What, what, what are you contending for? And really, here's the word. If you can believe, all things are possible. In other words, if you can't believe, then you don't get Jack. If I could just emphasize, I'm not sure who Jack is. It's a short name for John. No offense. <laughs> so belief is crucial to seeing the miracles of God brought into, into reality. And I love what, it, what the man says because I feel like that. Lord, help my unbelief. Wow. Immediately the father cried to the child and said, Lord, Lord, I believe. Uh, help my unbelief. I think that's a good definition of, of many believers. You know, we're like, yes, and uh, Jesus. Yes, God. And it's like this mixture of, of faith and unbelief. And Come on, say, Lord, help my unbelief. Faith is, faith is tied to prayer. Now that is amazing to me. Because verse 29 in that same chapter, this kind come out by nothing except prayer and fasting. Say to this mountain, move from here to there. Faith is tied to prayer. If you say you have faith, you have a prayer life. You can't have a prayer life without faith. All right, understanding how faith works. And this gets into, this is the third message in a series, so getting into a little bit of the components of understanding and defining faith. It's wonderful to have Sarah with us. God bless you. Yeah, and Amber, so glad you're here from our church in Bristol Bay. Pastor Tim's sister, we love you so much. Did such a great job leading that work over the past summer. Your, your brother was bragging on you. And uh, we're grateful for your leadership there. Definition of faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. I want you to turn there. And I, I have to say that I've been uh, guilty of rattling off the definition of faith, especially early on in my walk with the Lord, and not really understanding what I was saying. Now, if you know it, go ahead and quote it with me. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Oh, yeah, what's faith? Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, <laughs> evidence of things not seen. Obviously, that's what faith is. What? I mean, just think, go ahead and read it again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the substance, the tangibility. It's actually something of things hoped for, the evidence or the proof of things not seen. Wow. Substance is real, it's solid, it's a tangibility, evidence is proof of things that we cannot see. And we'd looked at Romans 10 and, and talked about how faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We tried to redefine this just a little bit. You can leave the scripture up if you would. Now faith is the substance, it's the tangibility, it's it's actually something of things hoped for. 
the evidence or the proof of things not seen. We broke it down in the past messages to talk about seen. When you say seen, what do you think about? Ojos. Spanish. Amen. Oh. I was told to stay away from the Mariposa comment, so I won't say it. Ojos. <laughs> Your eyes. When you think of seen, things not seen, it's, it's, you think about eyes. But let's, can we just expand that? It's the evidence of things not of your senses. So we, we walk not by what we hear, not by what we see, not by what we taste. Do you, are you following me? We walk not by that which is tangible through your, your faculties, your five senses. So faith is aside from your senses. Can we say it that way? It has nothing to do with your senses. And most people live their Christian life whether they've got a goosebump or not. They live by their senses. Oh, I can feel him. Listen, if you can feel him or not, it's irrelevant. He's here simply based upon the word. Can you feel him? I can. That's wonderful when I can. But when I can't, is he still there? Yes. Why? Because God's word says where there's two or three gathered, there he is. So if there's two or three gathered, there he is. Amen. He'll say, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That means even when I'm in the deepest, darkest, dank pit, he's with me. He's with me. He, 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 he's with me. He's, he's on the, whether I can feel him or not, he dwells, he's taken up residence on the inside of my heart. I don't have to feel that, I know that. I, what do you mean you know it? I have faith. You have what? It, I have substance, tangibility. You could say it this way. Now the word of God is the substance of things hoped for. The word of God is the evidence of things not seen. You could say it that way. Actually, your faith is based on, if you can have faith, come on, I just saw this. I, I, somebody texted me and said, pray that the big, big lake goes to 12 inches of ice. And immediately, some of you know what I thought of because we had a horrible tragedy last year. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> it better be like 24 inches, man. It might be like 12 inches and hot springs and the earthquake moves stuff around and whether it wasn't, you know, where it was sick before, now it's not. So, I mean, you, you know, you better know what you're doing. You get out there on a snow machine, 12 inches of ice. Let's ride our truck out on the big, I just don't feel led to go on Big Lake for some reason. <laughs> I'm just, when I, just, amen, not going to do that. But, but I know many people are going to go get out of the ice and they're praying for 12 inches of ice. Well, you can have faith that it's thick and that it's thick enough. Now, obviously, it'd probably be good to go test it, right? I don't know how they do all that. But let's just take this hypothetical story. A farmer wants to get over to his, his, uh, his friend's uh, farm on the other side of this large lake. And so he's going to take his sled and his horse-drawn jingle bells and all of that and ride across the ice, but he's waiting for it to get thick enough. And so he has a, quite a few cold snaps, and he feels it's thick enough, so he gets in, he gets in his, his you know, horse-drawn sled and heads on off and goes to the lake and falls right through. Well, he had faith it was thick enough. But was his faith valid? See, the question is, what is your faith in? You all have faith to come and sit down in our brand new chairs, and they're holding up the likes of you and me. Glory. We, you know, we, we exercise faith every day. Like people staying on the other side of the yellow line, the, the double yellow line. 
Oh, help my unbelief. <laughs> I'm driving. Of course, you know, some folks that just moved up here this winter, they're like, there are no lines. And nobody pays attention to the lines. So when it snows, the whole thing is an open roadway. That's right. Absolutely right. It's fair game. Woo! And stop lights or, you know, you got to pay attention. Otherwise, they're just suggestions. And you can... Faith. Now, faith is, you know, you know what your, your faith is, it's got to be in God's word. The word of God is the substance of things hoped for. The word of God, the evidence of things not seen. So did you catch that? It's another way of defining it. Let it hit your heart, please. I heard one person say, well, faith is the action you take on your way to your hope. Truth is I've taught that myself. And I believe that absolutely action is involved because without faith without works is, says James. But it's not just action. Come on, the, the, the farmer had action and he's fell to the, you know, he had to get rescued. Let's think of it that way. His sled went through. He had to call Martha. Martha had to get the boys and he had to pull everything out. And uh, his faith in this ice was not founded. So faith, think of it this way. Now faith now, the word of God is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, the word of God is the evidence of things not seen. Your proof, what is the proof? The proof is if God's word says it, then you stand on that thing until it comes to pass. That requires action. That requires prayer. Are you following me? All right. So I know, I know, I've, I know some of you, I've scrambled your eggs. But if you'll just meditate on that, right? The word of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, right? So when you hear the word, it builds faith. Why does it build faith? Because the word is faith. The word releases faith. You don't have faith in some thin ice that you think is thick. You have faith in God's word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain forever. So if God said it, then you believe it. You have pistis. You have confidence. You have trust. If God said it, then it's true. And you stand on that thing until you see it manifested. What about the times when it didn't manifest? I don't know. But I know God's good. And so at that, you just contend, you believe, you pray. And if you get in a situation where you don't understand, well, just lean on the everlasting arms of the wonderful goodness of God. And in the end, you will fully know, even as you are fully known, as you stand before the throne of God's grace, can you say amen in the house of God? Do you understand what I'm saying? So faith is, faith is in the Word. The Word is the substance. The Word is the evidence. So if God's Word says it, then you embrace that, wrap your heart around it, and get in it like a stinking howitzer and mow down the opposition and believe until it's manifested. Do you see? Revelations of faith. You all in the notes. I think I've preached myself happy right about now. So if you're not reading the word, then your faith is going to be hindered. Now, there's a gift of faith, which is different. Mark eleven twenty two, have the faith of God. How many of you know God's faith doesn't grow? It's perfect. Revelations of faith. If you look at the centurion, and we talked about him the centurion shows faith as an understanding of the authority of Jesus. His servant is sick, 
And the centurion in one version in the Synoptic Gospels, once again, says, uh, just say the word. And another version, he doesn't even come, he sends somebody to go talk to Jesus. But in the, in the case that I'm talking about, he says, I'm a man under authority. I say to this man, go, and to that man goes, and he comes, and, and, and they're under authority. So you don't need to go to my house, actually. Just say it. Just say it, and I know it's done. And Jesus is like, whoa, what great faith. It's tied to the authority of Jesus. But let me just say it this way. It's tied to the authority of God's word. How many of you know when Jesus spoke, he spoke God's word? Faith is tied to the authority of God's word. So it's very important for you to have a clear understanding and a, that God's word actually is God's word. See, most people don't really believe that. They don't really believe that God's word is God's word. They, they've taken some traditional view. They, 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 they don't really dig in to study, to show themselves approved. They, 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 they just don't do that. They, they just take it and like it kind of works and, and maybe sometimes it doesn't. And, and, and we just sort of whistle Dixie as we go over a waterfall. If you really study what you're holding in your hand, can I borrow your Bible for just a moment? What you're holding in your hand right here? is the most historically accurate document. Listen to me. It's the most historically accurate document on the face of the earth. And most people don't know that. We take things like the, the Gallic Wars and different... We don't, the closest documents to the Gallic Wars are a thousand years from when they actually happened. And we take those as, wow, that's just absolutely the truth. We have documents that are within 79, 75 years. We have, we have documents from, from 70 years of when they were written. You say, 70 years is a long time. Yeah, no, it's a long time. I get it. I get it. But they didn't have mimeographs. They didn't mimeographs? Well, that's dating myself. <laughs> Xerox machines. Mimeograph? What is that? That's what, that's what your teacher used to go crank off on those cold mornings. Does anybody? Okay. <laughs> You're like, Mimi, what? <laughs> the printing press. I mean, just think, when you study why this actually is God's word, it will build your faith. It will cause you to have a greater understanding of why you should embrace it and why you should believe it. And there's so many moronic teachers out there that try to disprove it. And the truth is, most well-educated people, well-meaning, that go out to prove that this is not true, all of them become believers. Because you can't... You, man couldn't... What man would write something that totally, you know, just totally condemns him? Who would write that? As a first century writer, I mean, who would write and then marry the prostitute is the first one that gets to testify? Listen, if you're, if you're, if you're picking a court case and having hearings, are you going to pick... Somebody who is, uh, you know, not somebody that has a real good reputation in the community. They've lied and they've slept with everybody. So, uh, yeah. Mary, why don't you testify for us? Who would believe her? First of all, she's a woman considered chattel in the first century, not even considered worthy to be able to be a, a, somebody who could testify in a court of law. And then shepherds. God shows up to talk to shepherds. Let me just tell you, shepherds are also considered unclean and not worthy to, be, to testify in a court of law. And yet God first revealed himself. Those are the first evangelists, the shepherds. Why? 
I think there's a lot of reasons you got to come to some of our Christmas messages and blow your mind about the Lamb of God. Just absolutely amazing. I'll just give you a hint. The lambs for sacrifice were raised in Bethlehem. So he, he reveals himself to the angels through these shepherds because they understood about swaddling cloths and they understood that their lambs were going to the temple and there was another lamb, God's lamb bought, born in Bethlehem. I'm telling you, it's so amazing. See, now I got chicken skin myself. <laughs> Woo, amazing. There's no way. What are you saying? The centurion had a revelation of faith tied to authority. Who is your authority? Who is the ultimate authority in your life? And if it's not God's word, then you're going to hinder your faith. Let's have a praise break because I thought that was pretty good. Amen. Praise God. You look at the Syrophoenician woman, Matthew 15. Pastor Jesus calls her a dog. Let me, let me read this to you. Matthew 15, verse 21, Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan, it's a Syrophoenician, came from that region, cried out, Lord, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. Now understand that the Lord, son of David is not an average, it's not an average greeting. She, uh, the blind Bartimaeus did the same thing, you know. Lord, son of David, son of David, is say, she's saying, I know you're the Messiah. I know that you're Emmanuel. I know that you're the Messiah. Oh, son of David. She knows he's the Messiah. That's what that's saying. That's not like calling on some rabbi. That's nice, but this is not just a rabbi. This is the man. Son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed, but he answered her not a word. I hate when people do that to me. They totally... They totally ignore, he totally ignores her. It's kind of like when the Pisonis were giving the announcements and you guys weren't listening to any of it. It's kind of like that. (laughs) The truth is we're such fellowshippers and you all have the app so you can look it up later. I understand. He ignored her. That was a low level like rebuke right there. I'm just telling you, amen. Somebody stands up here to start talking to you. My mama taught me in here, right? Didn't you teach me that, mom? That you should respect when people are talking. Amen. So I know that it's exciting, but it used to use uh, the lobby if you can for that. And, uh, and if not, keep coming. It'll be all right. She doesn't get offended like me. I'm not going to get offended by that. And neither are the Pisonis, but she doesn't get offended either. She doesn't. Can you imagine that you call out to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, you're like, he doesn't answer her a word, right? Come on, back into the text with me. You all there? Yes. Answered her not a word, verse 23. And his disciples came and urged him, send her away. I mean, she's right there. Can you tell her, tell her to go away? Jesus, tell the pagan woman to leave. So she is, she's a pagan woman. But he, but he answered and said, I was not sent. He's still not even talking to her. I was not sent to accept the lost. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and worshiped him now. Now she's making a scene. You know, when you're desperate for your kids or for a breakthrough, you don't mind making a scene. 
When you're desperate and your hunger is sincere, you'll be willing to look like a fool in the face of your peers in order to be embraced in the arms of the master. You don't really give a flip about what any thinks about you. I'm gonna tell you, I'm, I tell you, cute Christianity, I don't really care for it. I love desperate, broken, militant, hungry, thirsty Christianity. Anyway, she's all that and she, she's desperate. Worship, Lord, help me, she says, verse 26. And he said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Whoa, snap. <laughs> I'm not lying. She called him a dog, no cat. Called, called her. He called her a woof. But in that statement, he gives a tremendous revelation to us that healing and deliverance belongs to those who are covenant. That's what he's talking about, children's bread. That's amazing. But he does call her a dog. And her response, and she said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said, oh, woman, great is your faith. See, Jesus, Jesus is sharing a par- shares parables to hide truth from casual observers. And this lady was able to see through the parable of the children's bread and the dogs, realizing she's a Gentile and she doesn't qualify for covenant rights right now. But she understood the goodness of God. And in understanding the goodness of God, it, it, in that moment, she released a miracle. The miracle is released by her faith. The, the perseverance, back in your notes, is a message taken from the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Yeah, maybe you know that story. Like the woman with the issue of blood, we press in, we press in. Like the blind man waited patiently, we press in. <laughs> I shouldn't have started singing that. <laughs> to the crowd, and suddenly a touch from heaven. Jesus came and set me free, and suddenly a touch from heaven. Jesus came. Like the woman. No, okay. <laughs> she had to, she under penalty of death. She had an issue of blood. Y'all know what that means? She's hemorrhaging, she's bleeding, okay? And it's not a cut on her arm, all right? Okay, so she went to many doctors, spent all that she had, and she's like, you know what? Forget it. If I, if I'm probably gonna bleed out anyway. 12 years, or is it 12? Or am I mixing that up with a woman who was... Thanks. <laughs> There's another lady that, anyway... And she, she presses through the crowd on her penalty of death. Because if you were unclean and you were in the crowd and you were near people, there was Levitical law. You could not do that. You were not allowed to do that. It was God's way of keeping disease away from the masses. And yet she said, if I die, I die. If, if I perish, I perish, says Esther. 
And she presses in, if I could touch the hem of his garment, she had faith in the Messiah. She persevered. Bartimaeus, I don't know why we call him blind, because he ain't blind no more. He's, we should call him seeing Bartimaeus. He cries out, he's on the road to Jericho, and he's like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he cries out, and the disciples who are like religious church people tell him, shush, be quiet. And he cries out all the more. And he doesn't have a cute Christianity. He has a desperate, broken, I need a miracle, I'm going to press in. Oh, God, I want my eyes. Miracle, faith, Christianity. We say it that way. And really, he's, by saying, son of David, I really, it's, it's like salvation has come to him too. And then Jesus turns, and he hears him in the midst of a crowd. And tells the disciples, call him to come to me. He leaves his garment, which is so profound. It's a begging garment. He leaves a mentality. He leaves a way of life. He leaves his profession. He leaves everything behind. And he comes to Jesus and he receives his eyesight. In all of these instances, perseverance is crucial to seeing miracles. You have to contend to persevere. Faith and obedience are tied together. Moving on, you know, Peter, uh, Jesus comes to Peter and, and says, Peter, throw your net to the other side. Peter's like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like from a family of fishermen. You're a carpenter. I fished all night. And, you know, you, I, I could just hear the things in his head. It doesn't say it in the text. It says, we fished all night. In other words, there's no fish, dude. And there's no fish in the morning there. They've been cleansing. They're, they're, they're fixing their nets. They're cleaning their nets. He says, throw to the other, throw, let your nets down for a catch. And he says, we fished all night. Nevertheless, I'll do it. Okay. Goes out. And he, in one version, I think it's in the book of Luke, he lets down the net. He doesn't let down nets. He lets down one net and catches the biggest catch of fish he ever got. There's perseverance that's involved and, and obedience. It's Peter's obedience. Trust and obey. Since we're singing old songs tonight, we'll just go ahead. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy. Come on, Wally. To be happy. In Jesus, must trust and obey. Sing it, everybody. Trust and obey, for there's no other. Come on, Mom. Oh, no. To be happy in Jesus. Faith and obedience are tied together. Faith and obedience are tied together. Faith and obedience are tied together. That's the action, right? Faith and obedience. All the miracles that expressed faith have one thing in common, and that's desire. They all desire to see something happen. Desire is important. I preached a message not long ago. It's not mine originally. It comes from Dr. Morocco. Desire plus faith minus doubt equals a miracle. Desire is the beginning of a miracle. One of the ways that God leads you is by 
giving you a desire. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you will receive them, and you, you will, you shall. All right, how faith comes. Every man, according to Romans, is given a measure of faith, even when you're born. That's amazing. But faith is also fruit. It's a fruit, Galatians 5, through 23. Faith is a fruit. Use what you have. Use the faith that you have. Take whatever measure of faith you have. Take steps of faith. Use the faith that you have and you'll find it growing. You know, the level of faith that I'm at now, I'm not, I'm, I wasn't at this level 10 years ago. <laughs> Forgetting that which lies behind, I'm pressing on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm not declaring I'm the Pentagon of faith, but I do know this. I do know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if I'll, if I'll press in and ask God to cause my faith to grow and listen to the word and I take action, then faith, I mean, our building project's encouraging to me. I don't need faith for steel to be put up. I don't need proof that the steel's going to be put up. You know why? It's up. Okay, now I've got confident and assurance we're moving in. Why? Because it's all God's plan already. The fingerprint of God all over the thing. We're trusting and we're obeying. But I'm going to just tell you, 20 years ago, I didn't have, I would never, in fact, I said I'm never building a building. I had to repent. It was a while ago. I repented a while ago. Oh, gosh, I don't want to do that. I just want to preach, pray, and prophesy, raise up leaders. Let somebody else do buildings. I don't want to be a part of a building project, but I, I repented. I'm so glad, grateful to be a part of this amazing, amazing step of that which we cannot see. We have confident assurance. We have proof. We call those things that are not as though they were. In, in the spirit realm, you release into the, into the earth by faith. How do you know what to relate? You read his word. If it says it in his word, then you can have it. Faith comes by hearing. It's a gift. Mark eleven twenty two. Mark eleven twenty two. Faith faith is a gift. The gift of faith. First Corinthians twelve nine. It's something we all possess, which I mentioned already. So I'm trying to get you to. To break in. Everybody go like that. All right, that's just to make sure you're awake and to call my piano player. Amen. I'm trying to get you to break into a realm of supernatural power, which will not be accessed without... Okay, we had like 18%. Got it. Supernatural is brought into the earth how? Faith's important. How many of you believing for miracles? All right, so now I could go and quiz you, but it would sting really bad. What scripture do you have to substantiate the miracle? No, I mean, ask yourself this question. If the proof is God's word, what word do you have that you're standing on to see that thing come to pass. Tell, tell me what scripture it is. I'm, it's rhetorical, which means you don't have to yell it out right now. But the truth is, more than half of you don't have a scripture. So then you've got to ask yourself, 
Maybe I'm like the farmer with the ice. Because if you're like, if you're believing for your ex-husband to be crispy crittered, how many of you know that's not the will of God? Here's, let me, let me charge you with this. What you're believing God for, don't just get one scripture, get multiple scriptures and take that, that word, take the word. Come on, Peter could walk on the water, why? Because Jesus said, come to me. So he says, come to me, you know, at your word. He's I'm walking on the, ah! and then he begins to sink. He lost his faith because he looked at his senses. Instead of looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the finisher, the one who said I could do it, the one who gave me the word that I'm walking on. He, come on, he made the earth, he made the sea, he made the land, he made you and me. He made everything. And God has allowed us to partner with him through this confident assurance of this substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, the proof. God's word is what you base your faith on. And then that faith, you pray and you, you know, say to this mountain, you have to speak to inanimate things. You have to speak to it. Buildings paid for, totally finished. We're moving in. I'm now sitting there drinking a, a dopio campana while I watch 77,000 cars go by a day. And I cry and worship. Ah, hallelujah. Faith. Faith. The wonder. The marvel of faith. Dogs can't have it. Cats definitely don't have it. <laughs> we have a friend. He said he really despised cats. He doesn't share this anymore when he travels, so I share it for him. Because he had so many people offended that were cat lovers. And if you're a cat lover, we're really glad you're coming here. Amen. Praise God. But he had one cat that he just loved. And uh, the cat got sick. And I mean, he said this cat was amazing. It came and it called and did all kinds of tricks and everything. He brought the cat into the vet because the cat was sick. And... Uh, the veterinarian looked at the cat and he was talking to the vet. He said, you know, I don't like cats at all, but this one I like. He said, well, it's brain damaged. It's been brain damaged from birth, so maybe that, that's why. <laughs> Come on, don't get offended. All right, don't get offended. It's a little test. It's a little test. <laughs> Lift your hands to heaven. All across this place. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, position yourself. Let me give you homework. Let me give you homework. Go get some of the Word of God for the situation and the circumstance that you're facing. Get that thing and wield it like the hammer that it is. My Word is like a fire. My Word is like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces. Speak it in the morning. Speak it in the night. Break every yoke of bondage. Come on. I quoted that. That's what we did when we were facing all of those trials all those years ago in 1994. 
Right there, Isaiah 10, 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed. That means it can't ever be used again. The yoke will be destroyed by the anointing oil. And we prayed and we prayed and manifested what we knew God had spoken to us. This yoke, these assignments will not stay. They're defeated by the power of the Holy Ghost. God, thank you. You're doing it. You've done it already. We believe your word. It's a lamp unto a feet, a light upon our path. Your word, God, like a hammer, I wield it tonight. And I break every opposition. I sever every tie, every cord, every chain. Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. Put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, you can do a little bit better than that. Come on, shout to God with a voice of triumph tonight. Faith, the marvel of faith. Nothing is impossible. Look around you when you're driving by your building. Everything you see, everything you see in the 267 extensions that we have part of this global vision all came. We had not one cent. And God would manifest and God would show up and he would do miracles. The same is true for you. If you have faith. Believe. Now, if you're hearing this as some rebuke to you, that ain't me. That, that's your own wounded heart. I'm challenging you to go to another level. I want to go to another. I am going to another level. I'm going to walk in a dimension that I never have. I am walking in greater faith than I ever have before. Why? Because God said I can. He called me to it. And we have to. Why? Because the harvest is great. Do you know people are traveling from all over the world and they're moving to Alaska? Did you know that? Oh, some think they're coming to hunt or be a part of the great outdoors, whatever. And, but I believe that God is summoning. There's a cry, a clarion call that's gone around the earth where people are beginning to come. I met with a man today who is, who's raised and in, in a very challenging circumstances. And he felt that God had called him to Alaska for years, but he just couldn't put it together. Now he's here. And as we met, he's like, I'm, I'm just not sure all that God wants. I said, oh, I, I know it. I know. I know what he wants. He's got, he's got a plan for you. He's got a call on your life. He brought you here. Come on, let's do it. Why don't you come be a part of my church? We'll do it together. He's like, you know, we need a church. I'm like, good. It's good. I'll be your pastor. You can be, come on, let's do it. So well, that's kind of bold. Yeah. I'd, I'd, listen, I pray every morning, God, bring them. What are you believing for? The marvel of faith is that nothing's impossible. Just make sure what your, your faith is in that which is valid, which is God's word, is what's, which is the validity, the source of your strength. That's your proof. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.